0: Coming up on The Exam Room. So his chances of living much longer are probably pretty slim, but if he starts to make changes, and this is the thing that never ceases to amaze me, it is so, so fast that your body starts to rebuild itself. And I can remember when I was doing research in the Marshall Islands on people with some of the highest rates of diabetes in the world. When we started our program, Within a week, people were saying, My head has been fuzzy for 10 years, and all of a sudden it's clear. I've had pain here, there, and everywhere, or I couldn't barely walk across the room without pain, and it's gone. Like, I can't believe it's gone. It'd be a week or two from when we started. So, the thing that people have to remember is every single cell of the human body is a product of what we put in our mouth. Mm -hmm. We literally, it's our raw materials with which we build our brain cells and with which we feed the, the microbes in our gut. And we rebuild ourselves quickly. And so, as soon as you start supplying what your body really needs, your body wants to be healthy. Your body wants to survive. It wants to build itself and to give itself the best chance of survival. And so it's just amazing what starts to happen.
1: Welcome to the exam room podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us coast to coast in the U.S. and in more than 150 countries. Hi to everyone listening in Alexandria, Virginia, Evansville, Indiana, and Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Wherever you are, we appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is episode 100 of season six, number 496 overall. And on this 100th episode of the season, we have to face a fact. The fact is, things change as we get older. Our bodies change, the world around us definitely changes, and so do our nutrient requirements. What we need and how much of it we need to stay healthy. And taking a close look at that with us today is Brenda Davis. She is a registered dietitian from Canada, and I have to be honest with you, she's kind of a big deal. But you wouldn't know it just to meet her, though, because Brenda is one of the sweetest and nicest people you could ever hope to get to know but she's going to be bringing her own brand of sweet and knowledge with us and nutrition goodness to the table. So here is what is on tap for the program today. We have Brenda's recommendations for staying healthy as the years roll by, the nutrients that you need, and how to get them the best sources, who might need a supplement and what supplements you might need, also the vitamins and minerals you're really going to want to zero in on. And then we also have an example, a fine example of what would happen if a person suddenly begins to eat a healthier diet when they are well into their 80s. We're talking about an 87 year old man with a really subpar diet. I posited this to her. I said, what would happen when you've really been eating poorly your entire life and then suddenly, boom, you wanna make a change? Well, you're gonna hear her say, listen, your body wants to be healthy. It wants to be healthy. And because of that, this gentleman here has a chance. So never give up when it comes to your health. Never give up. And perhaps her view is framed by someone in her own family. You're going to hear her talk about a relative who lived well into their golden years. I mean, we're talking about taking a hike in the forest when they are into their 80s and then volunteering in their 90s to help seniors who were younger than they were. We're talking about someone who is just living their best life for a very very long, long time, very cool. And because Brenda, by the way, is widely regarded as one of the leading experts on protein in the entire world, and I'm not kidding you there, we're gonna get into her perspective as well on how plant protein quality compares to the protein from meat and dairy, and how that then applies to seniors who may want to pay particularly close attention to her response. Plus, we've got Brenda's tips for easily adding protein to your meals at any age, including the tips and tricks that she uses for herself. And you may be surprised, by the way. We always hear people talk about, well, I never really see anybody with protein deficiency. Brenda says her experience has been quite different than that. You're going to hear her say that she does see protein deficiency in seniors more frequently than you might expect. So all of that and a lot more begins right now with Brenda Davis on the exam room. Thanks for being here, Brenda. Oh,
0: I'm so excited to be here with you, Chuck, and excited to be back at this conference. So uh,
1: Yeah, and we are. We are taping this at the International Conference on Nutrition and Medicine 2023, which hopefully by now, as this is released, will be available on demand. If you still need CME credits, you can get them by watching on demand. Uh, but this book, which you just told me before we started rolling, this is really cool. Not only uh, were you there with uh, Vasanto Molina, but your son, Corey is also a co-author in the book. How cool was it to work uh, with your son on a project like oh, that?
0: Oh, it was the best. I just, I love working with him. And he's, you know, he works in, uh, with the government uh, as a sort of a negotiator with First Nations and things like that. And um, But he's a professional agrologist and and he he has a tremendous interest in the environment. So, we, we thought we'd invite him to do the environmental chapter. And and he said it's it's been one of the greatest um, boosts for him in his life because all of a sudden he's doing podcasts and lectures. And, and, and he said it was like this piece was missing in my life and it was the piece that that was about the thing that I'm passionate about, which is you know, the world moving towards a plant-based diet and and reducing suffering for animals and improving the environmental circumstances for future generations. And it was really um, uh, a wonderful, wonderful thing for him and for myself as well.
1: He's a professional what now, though?
0: He's a professional agrologist.
1: What in the world is that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's it's a, a... Scientists that that um, is it's all about land use and and agriculture. Agrala as in agriculture.
1: Yeah, okay. yeah,
0: And so he is he does have a couple of MBAs as well, but his PA, he's ex- very very interested in land use and in terms of uh, you know the raising of cattle and and sort of the the cost of that land use yeah. in many. Respects, And so he's, you know, just got a lot of interest in, in that area. So well, it's really fun to well, have him as part of it.
1: We have to get Corey on the show here uh, for uh, April. We'll be doing a series of Earth Day episodes. So absolutely awesome. would love to get him. I can think of no better person. Uh, you know, plus he's he your son. Him. And, you know, I mean, you know, they're uh, all from the same tree. The apple doesn't fall far, as they say. So I'm sure he'd be great. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's good. <laughs> we're going to talk about something completely different today. I want to shift over and talk talk about one of the things you've been working on recently is nutrient requirements for older adults, seniors. Um, A little bit different from when we're in our 30s or 40s, younger. How do they change as we get older?
0: Well, first of all, I'll say that, you know, we we did this plant-powered protein book. Our next book, Vasanto and Myself, is going to be a book for older adults. And Vasanto's now 81. She'll be 82 on her next book. Birthday and I'm 64 and I'll be 65 no, on yeah on my next birthday. So I'll be officially a senior and and uh, and so the that's part of the interest is we're at that stage in life and but but as you say there are really big changes that happen as we age that are natural changes. But one of the things that happens is that. Our ability to digest and absorb nutrients diminishes. So we we just we don't produce as much acid in our stomach, we don't produce as many of the enzymes that help to break foods down into the small components they need to be made into in order for us to absorb them into our bloodstream. And so while our cal- our caloric needs tend to diminish. Um, because our metabolism changes, and a lot of people, their physical activity declines as they get older. They just walk a little slower and so forth. Uh, So our caloric needs are diminished, but our nutrient needs are actually elevated because of our inability to absorb uh, nutrients as well.
1: So that's pretty interesting, though, because I hear a lot of seniors talk about I'm not as hungry as I used to be. And so if your nutrient requirements are actually elevated, but you're eating less, your appetite is diminished, how does one like kind of reconcile all of that to make sure you're still getting everything you need?
0: Yeah, exactly. So there are three things that I would recommend. Number one is to move more. You know, your your appetite will increase if you're moving a little more. And even if you can't do the running you used to do or the fast walking, maybe you could do swimming. Maybe, you know, you could do a cycle class or something uh, that will increase your metabolism a little bit. Number two is you really want to be eating a more what we call nutrient-dense diet. So what that means is that you want the most nutrients you can get per calorie of food you're consuming. Mm-hmm. So nutrient density is about, you know, eating those foods that are just loaded with nutrition, but not loaded with calories. Mm. And, so, and so that's, you know, another, um, you know, important, a very important point. And so your volume of food m- can be diminished slightly, but the nutritional value of what you're eating is, is is just greater. So you're eating less of those foods that fill you up like uh, that don't have a lot of nutrients. So you might use a, lot, a fewer oils. You might use less, you know, concentrated carbohydrate white rice or you know these these kinds of foods with a lot of calories and not a lot of nutrients. And so that's, you know, that's, that's super important. And then number three, I would say, is that you might want to consider uh, some supplementation. And it, it could be just a multivitamin that's got a broad range of nutrients. So you get a little extra zinc and selenium and magnesium and so on and so on, B12 and iodine. And, and, uh, and that can just top you up enough to help you get to where you need to be. So I think those three things are probably the most important.
1: So let's kind of paint a picture. I'll give you a hypothetical scenario. Say that you've got somebody who's 87, uh, starting to have some health challenges, maybe has fallen a couple of times, but caveat here being um, they are on a few medications um they don't get up out of their chair much they kind of sit and they watch tv all day breakfast is something like frosted flakes uh and a couple of powdered donuts lunch is like peanut butter crackers and iced tea with some splenda uh dinner maybe a ham sandwich and a bag of potato chips And this is what the 87-year-old eats and, you know, this is what they have been eating virtually their entire life. They may feel trapped in this body and that no matter what they do, they're going to feel weak, they're going to fall. And so that's the reason why they don't get up out of the chair and walk. Without getting into specifics about this case, what would happen by and large if that person were then to start to eat a more nutritious diet? and got out of their head, got over their fear, walked around a little bit more, could they still kind of recapture a little bit of youth that they thought that maybe they had left behind 20 years ago?
0: Well, first, uh, Chuck, I think that your example may not be that realistic because the guy would probably be dead already. (laughs) 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 Eating the way that you described that he was eating. But there are always exceptions to the rule the people that that smoke a pack a day and still are alive at 100, but... But this guy, this diet is is so bad. And what's bad about this diet is, and, and the way that he's living, the lack of activity and so on, is there are drivers of disease. And, and the drivers are things like inflammation, oxidative stress, dysbiosis, a very health, unhealthy gut microbiome. You know all about that. And, and, and lipotoxicity is where you're storing, you know, fat in places it shouldn't be stored, like your liver and pancreas and so on. And and everything he's doing is is fueling those four things, and, uh, and and so his chances of you know of of living much longer are pro- probably pretty slim. But if he starts to make changes, and this is the thing that uh, never ceases to amaze me, it 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 is so so fast that your body starts to rebuild itself. And I can remember when I was doing research in the Marshall Islands on people with some of the highest rates of diabetes in the world. Uh, When we started our program, within a week people were saying, my head has been fuzzy for 10 years and all of a sudden it's clear. I've had pain here, there and everywhere or I couldn't barely walk across the room without pain. And it's gone. Like I can't believe it's gone. It'd be a week or two from when we started. So it's the the thing that people have to remember is every single cell of the human body is a product of what we put in our mouth. Mm. We literally it's our raw materials with which we build our brain cells and with which we feed the the microbes in our gut and. We rebuild ourselves, and so we rebuild ourselves quickly. And so as soon as you start supplying what your body really needs, your body wants to be healthy, your body wants to survive. It wants to build itself and, you know, to give itself the best chance of survival. And so it's just amazing what starts to happen. So his, his dysbiosis will start to decline, his inflammation, his oxidative stress, uh, he'll, you know, start to lose weight, get more energy, and he'll not be constipated anymore. And, you know, it just goes on and on and on. And and your body just starts, he'll just start to feel more energetic and will be more apt to want to get off uh, his chair and, and walk around a little bit. So I think that's Really, the good news is that it's um your your body can heal itself and but the only way it can do that is if you supply the raw materials with which it needs to rebuild itself and so um yeah he's got a chance he's got a chance at you know we call we think of uh, often lifespan we talk about lifespan and we want to live to be a hundred but what it's really about more is our health span mm. and and we want to. You know the the years that we're on this planet to be um, enjoyed to their fullest. We want to be able to to go and see the places we want to see and engage with our families and and do fun things and and so that's to me what it's all about and that's one of the beauties of the people in the blue zones where they, you know, live not only the they have more centenarians than anywhere else on the planet, but uh what's what's even more cool to me is is that those centenarians are still out in their gardens or they're walking up the mountains and they're they're doing things they're still productive, and that's what it's really all about. And uh, so there's hope at any age. There's hope.
1: It's funny. uh, I feel like we're hearing more and more and more about needing that purpose, you know, in life. And that's what keeps us around and healthy and happy. And like we're hearing stories. I've told it a number of times recently on the show even about, you know, reading this article in The Washington Post about a guy who lived well over 110 and, you know, even past 100 he would be out Saturday mornings washing a car in the driveway, not his car, his girlfriend's car that <laughs> stayed in the driveway from the night before, you know what I'm saying? And this guy's over 100 years old and he's wow. hand washing this car. You know, wow. he lived to a ripe old age. He had that purpose. He never lost that zest for life. It's well, so important.
0: Uh, yeah, so important. And, and after you shared that story, I have to share a story as well. I had an aunt who lived to be 106. Nice. And when she was about 87 years old, we went for a walk in the woods together. And when she was in her mid to late 90s, her the thing that she would do is help the senior citizens <laughs> by doing their grocery shopping, and she'd play piano and sing for them, and she'd just do all sorts of things. But when she was 87 we were walking through the woods... Uh, she was telling me about when she had cancer and was in the hospital for a month when she was in her late 40s or early 50s, something like that. And and I I, I didn't know her well because my mom was adopted at birth, and this was a birth family aunt that we were reunited with later in life. Yeah. And, and so she was sharing this story with me, and I, I looked at her and I said, that must have been so difficult to be in the hospital for a month and she looked at me and she said, Oh, no, dear. She said, It was just lovely. She said, I didn't have to do a thing. She said, I was, it was like being in a hotel or being on vacation. She said, No laundry, no cooking, no cleaning. She said, It was just lovely. And I thought, This lady's going to live for a long time.
1: Perspective. <laughs> perspective. Wow, right? Like, who wants to go to the hospital? And she's like, no, it was a vacation. Like, are you kidding me? That's awesome, man. And I can't also help but to think that, you know, as she's in her 90s and helping other seniors out, those seniors are probably a few years younger than she was. Exactly. That is amazing. That's goals right there. Oh, it that's, is. that's goals that right sure there.
0: Is. That's my goal.
1: Um, let's circle back and get a little nutrition nerdy here. Let me ask you about some of the nutrients that might be even a little bit more difficult than others for seniors to absorb. Are there some that as we age, like it just takes the body a little bit extra effort to break down than when we were younger?
0: Yeah. So one of the nutrients that is has really been in the limelight lately is protein. Shocker. So, shocking. <laughs> so so the, the RDA for protein for adults is 0.8 grams per kilogram. Body weight per day, and a kilogram is 2.2 pounds. And and um, for for seniors, many experts are now recommending 1 to 1.2 grams per kilogram per day. And the reason is is that when seniors are consuming these higher levels of protein. They tend to have fewer of the, you know, the sort of the diseases or conditions of aging like sarcopenia, which is muscle wasting and as we age and, and frailty and things like that. and. And so, you know, some countries have actually changed their RDAs. So, Australia has separate RDAs for for older adults. Uh, the Nordic countries all have separate RDAs for for seniors. So they're, they're starting to be changed in that way. And so, there was actually even a study in 2022 suggesting that seniors shouldn't be vegan because of the concern about not getting enough. Uh, protein, and and so it, it's it, you know it's something that people are thinking about. M- my perspective is different because, uh, yes, it's true that plants are less concentrated in protein than meat, for example. However, the people that consume plant protein. Uh, have far lower risk of death and disease. <laughs> that matters for seniors. And so, and there were, there were actually a couple of studies that looked at the risk of frailty and the consumption of plant versus animal protein. And people who were consuming plant protein actually had lower risk of frailty. Uh, and, and of course, 70% of the global population will die of a diet and lifestyle-induced chronic disease. And so that's got to be priority number one. So to me, it's to, to tell seniors not, not to be vegan or not to get most of their protein or all of their protein from plants is, is really misleading people because what they're likely to die of are diseases that are increased by animal protein and decreased by plant protein. So to me, the, the, the goal is not to... Uh, you know, eat animal protein and not plant protein. It's to make sure that you get enough plant protein. And so a lot of seniors sort of go sort of an easy route uh, with food and they might eat a lot of, you know, tea and toast diets are popular with seniors. And so they like food to be simple. And and so we need to figure out how to make getting plant protein easier, uh, less work and delicious for seniors. And so things like tofu are, are can be really wonderful additions to the diet because it's a very digestible protein and, and it's easy to prepare. Um, it, it's something that, that can be used in all sorts of dishes. Using a legume pa- based pasta rather than just a, a regular pasta can be an easy way for seniors. And even some of the The veggie meats that are a little bit processed can be really easy, especially for a senior man who just isn't cooking much, pull it out of the the freezer and cook up that patty with some veggies and and at least it's a a fairly concentrated protein source. But one thing that I tell seniors is think about protein at each meal. So if you're having a bowl of oatmeal for breakfast, don't just have oatmeal and bananas with almond milk. If you take that, that that meal and it's got maybe five to eight grams of protein, you could put that up to 20 grams just in an instant by using soy milk or pea milk in, in place of almond milk, by adding some hemp seeds and some almonds uh, to the, the cereal. Uh, and just little things like that can boost intake very quickly. And you haven't really changed the meal uh, or the quantity of food you're eating much it's just adding a few things in. If you're having a salad at, at lunch or a smoothie for that matter uh, with the salad you could put some little cubes of tofu, some lentils, some some seeds uh, on top you could have a, a seed-based dressing for example or if you're not into eating stuff that takes a lot of time to chew because you don't you know your dentition isn't quite, as good and you like, prefer doing a smoothie or a soup. It's the same thing, instead of making a smoothie with water and, and fruits and a few greens, you add hemp seeds and add frozen peas and add you know the, the soy milk uh, to boost protein by 20 or 30 grams in a, in a flash.
1: How prevalent is protein deficiency in seniors? I know uh, even just speaking a minute ago with Christopher Gardner, as we take this again, we're at the International Conference on Nutrition and Medicine, so just wrapped with him. But, you know, he was saying that oftentimes in his lectures, he'll, you know, ask the physicians who are in attendance to raise their hand if they've ever seen a patient with protein deficiency and no hands in the room go up. But I'm wondering like if there's a geriatric doctor among the crowd, if they may be more likely to raise their hand there, or is it still virtually unheard of in these well developed countries? It's
0: it's absolutely not unheard of. And I see it all
1: the time. Do you? Okay, talk to me.
0: And so so yes, and I'll tell you the last person that I, I dealt with was a lady who was having her hair was falling out. Her thin, she was getting such thin skin; it was bleeding and bruising all the time. Uh, she had edema in her in her belly, um, or bloating. Uh, she was didn't have a lot of energy, and we looked at all of her nutrients, B12, and so on, and every she was taking the supplement she needed. And and so I said, well, let me analyze your diet, and I analyzed it, and her protein intake was probably. 35 to 40 grams a day which mm-hmm. you know is is not a lot and i said let's let's boost your protein to 60 or 70 grams a day and we'll do it you know with with beans and hemp seeds and all of that her problems have all virtually disappeared wow she's now 83 we started together when she was you know a couple a couple years ago now um, but she said her skin doesn't break or bruise anymore her hair is not falling out anymore uh, so she was definitely at a level of protein. Now, we don't see protein deficiency like kwashiorkor here in North America. Uh, that, that's, you know, just not seen. But we do see seniors especially uh, who are getting insufficient amounts. And so you can not just, you know, assume that you can eat your brown rice and vegetables and you're going to get enough as an older adult uh, because you probably won't. Um, and so those are the kinds of things that I see and I've seen in a number of people, uh, remarkable uh, recoveries in the quality of their skin and their hair and so forth when they do improve their protein intake a little bit. So it's not the kind of deficiency that we think of when you see a right. child in you know, these impoverished countries with the bloated stomachs and the, you know all of the huge malnutrition issues. But there's still, we still do see, in you know, consequences of just not getting quite enough.
1: But it's interesting, even without that big, distended belly, you mentioned bloating was still one of the symptoms with, with this yeah, woman. And, yeah, and
0: I was surprised about that. I told her I don't think her bloating has anything to do with the protein. I wouldn't imagine it would in her case. Mm. But she said it's gone down. Wow. Yeah, she said it has. And she's... You know, she's feeling so much better, and she said, "I'm looking better, and I'm I'm older, not younger." So <laughs>
1: she's
0: uh, she's just thrilled to bits. And she said, "It it frustrates me to no end that physicians don't have any clue um, that this could be an issue."
1: And at what age should somebody start looking at ratcheting that up? Is it 65? Is it 40? Is it 50?
0: Well, you know, um, it it. it it's all over the place because we're not all the same, of course. Right. We all have unique differences. But most of the countries that are recommending higher amounts for adults, it's, it's usually either over 65 or 65 plus. So, you know, 66 or 65, it's always in that area. Uh, Australia, it's 70. that yeah. they, they recommend 25% higher intakes for, for adults, 70 plus. Uh, but it's generally in, in, in that range. And so I would say when you're in your even 60s, you're starting to probably require a little fewer calories. And so one of the things that I've done, I'm in my 60s and my writing partner's in her 80s, and we both do this, we tend to focus a little bit less on the starchy foods and a little bit more on the higher protein foods. So my meals instead of having the bowl with a lot of quinoa and then you know uh, the ton of vegetables and then a little bit of beans or something on top, I would have a smaller portion of quinoa, still the ton of vegetables, but be a little more generous with the beans or tofu on top there you go. and so and it's the same on my salad. Sometimes I'll you know be very um, sparse with the with the grains and, and or sweet potatoes or whatever, and I'll have a little bit more of the beans or or tofu there because I just don't need as many calories. So,
1: but works. you're not describing a massive change to what it no, was you have been eating no, at all. It's no, a it's relatively minor tweaking. tweak. Yeah. It's
0: just tweaking and being a little bit more conscious. So, if I have, um, you know, if I have a, a snack, for example, I might think about if I'm having an apple, having a little nut butter with it or something like that, just yeah. to. Just to boost things a little bit. And I'm, you know, we're still, there's still a lot of question marks, but certainly one of the things we want to do as we get older is to preserve our muscle mass. And so, you know, I don't just uh, make these tiny tweaks in my diet, but I've, I've also, you know, not slowed down with my physical activity either. Sure. And I'll continue that for as long as I can. And I make sure I get weight bearing exercise. So I do, you know, kickboxing and hit classes and all of that, but I also do some weight classes. Okay. I'm
1: scared of you. And
0: um <laughs>
1: kickboxer. Kickboxing. Over here. So I guess my my final question for you though is, you know, if somebody has gone down the road like this patient you were talking about, they've got the muscle wasting, all these other symptoms. I mean, is it possible to regenerate, have the body heal itself? What are some realistic expectations the average person could look for?
0: Absolutely. And, and so, but it it's not just food, it's exercise. And so you need to be doing the weight-bearing exercise and you need to be eating an adequate diet. So you want to focus a little bit more on, on, on the protein than you might have used, you know, than what we needed to do when we were younger. But you also need to think about vitamin B12, vitamin D. Uh, some folks fall short on iodine, um, selenium, zinc is an issue because... The outer surface of the skin has a lot of zinc and if that starts to go, it can affect the quality of your skin as well, so that's where um, eating a very nutrient-dense diet being sure that you have a reliable source of B12, vitamin D. Uh, the other thing, which may be contrary to some of the things that, that you know, we, we've talked about in terms of disease risk reduction is fat. And so fat is really important for healthy skin and hair as well. And, and as we age, our ability to absorb reduces. So we don't want to necessarily... Uh, cut back on the nuts and seeds and avocados and those kinds of foods can play a very valuable role. And then omega-3 fatty acids uh, can be very important and as we age, our ability to convert omega-3s into the long chain omega-3s will be diminished as well. And so taking a, an EPA DHA supplement may be of value too. So there's a number of, of things that we can do. So, you know, uh, w- number one, we want to focus on food. We want to focus on fitness. And then think about um, potential for some supplements as well.
1: There it is. I love it. Real talk with Brenda Difficy. You're so much fun when you're on the show. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, thanks so much for having me.
1: The book is Plant Powered Protein. Go ahead and pick up your copy. Congratulations. Can't wait to see what the future holds for you. Thank oh, you.
0: Thank you, Chuck. <laughs>
1: Brenda Davis on the examiner. Man, she's fun to talk to. I saw her recently in Houston as well, and she is just a pistol. No matter where she goes, she always has the biggest smile on her face and gives the warmest hugs. And she is just having the thrill of her life getting the opportunity to talk about stuff that improves the health and the lives of people coast to coast around the world. She is the coolest she has found her passion and she is just so incredibly smart love it whenever she's on the show love it whenever she's on the show so here's my question for you are you vip yet an exam room vip because if you're not what are you waiting for? It's 100% free to become VIP. All you need to do is head over to pcrm.org slash exam room VIP to sign up today. Now, here's what exam room VIPs get. A lot of cool stuff, but one of my favorite things is the fact that whenever we do the big live and in-person shows, exam room VIPs will get first crack at tickets through an exclusive presale opportunity to save their seat and join us in person. We did the big show shows in LA and New York and Washington DC this year 2024 we're rolling out a lot more so sign up as an exam room VIP so you can be the first to know when we're headed to a town near you and you can save your seat before they go on sale to anybody else plus you'll get exclusive early access to some of our top interviews like the one we just did with Dr. Michael Greger where we went inside his new book how not to age got the backstory on Who really inspired him to write that book? That was an interesting story. And exam room VIPs were the first to hear that two weeks before anyone else, plus exclusive live Q&As, virtual events with some of our other experts, including Dr. Neil Barnard, as we head toward the release of his new book, The Power Foods Diet. Well, as an exam room VIP, you will get the opportunity to join us for those Q&As as well. But you have to sign up today for free pcrm.org slash exam room vip or just click the link that is in the episode notes that's pcrm.org slash exam room vip or hit that link in the episode notes so let's sit under the learning tree a little bit longer my friends i saw this in an article recently and i had no idea that this was even a thing we always keep learning. This is the beautiful thing. I had no idea that our sense of thirst deteriorates as we get older. And because of that, we become more prone to dehydration in our silver for years. This little nugget caught my attention in an article on nutrition and aging that was published by a group of professors from Tufts University. And these professors suggested that drinking water, regardless of whether or not you're thirsty, is vital, as a matter of fact, especially as you get older. And in this same article, by the way, aside from hydration, they posited the question of what does it take to live to be 100? And they couldn't draw just one conclusion. It's not just one thing, but Dr. Diane McKay from Tufts, she did say this when talking about people who they observed generally living to be 100 years old or older. She said, quote, these people ate mostly whole food, plant-based diets that were moderate in calories. Physical activity has also been a constant in their lives, and they continued to include walking and other forms of exercise in their daily activities as they aged. And they continued also to have important social connections in their lives. So it's not any one magic bullet. There are many that will have an impact on how well and how long you live. So it is multifactorial here. It's kind of like Brenda's relative who hit triple digits and was still out hiking in their 80s and volunteering in their 90s. We're talking about being active eating healthy and having a purpose and when you put those things together you are in good good shape a lot of the time and also as for the lack of thirst experts also say eating hydrating foods like cucumbers and watermelon that can also really help keep you properly hydrated but you'll still need to drink water but they do go a long way towards supplementing your hydration needs. Well, how about that? How is your health IQ now? Do you feel like you've learned a thing or two? The health IQ's up a point or two? Well, if it is, how about paying it forward? And if you would like to share in that wisdom, share the knowledge, maybe even share your story, here's what we need you to do. Follow The Exam Room Podcast on Apple Podcast or Spotify, wherever it is that you get your shows, and then also leave a five-star rating and a nice review. And in that review box, that's where you can share some of your story of how this show has inspired you to take your health to the next level, how it's improved, or maybe just eating better and living more well overall has really helped to improve your health. We would love to hear that story in your review so apple podcast spotify wherever it is that you get your shows let us know and leave that five star rating but for today that is going to wrap things up i want to say thank you one more time to brenda davis for being here and raising our health iqs and for everyone at the physicians committee i am the weight loss champion chuck carroll thank you so very much for listening and remember As always, keep it plant-based.